Welcome to the Halliday Wine Companion Podcast. This is our space to chat about wine without all the fluff, from how to taste and describe it to how to pair it to that dinner party you're hosting next weekend. We'll be chatting to industry professionals from across the country, tackling all things wine from a palatable perspective. I'm Tom Carr, your host, and I'm part of the team here at Halliday, and this is By the Glass. Hello, good morning. Well, it's Friday morning here and um, the sun is shining in Melbourne, which is fabulous. And last night was a cracking evening, even though it didn't run according to plan. Uh, It was the 2022 Halliday Wine Companion Awards. Now, the cat's finally out of the bag and all the varietal and major major category winners have been announced. Um, Obviously, we couldn't host the event in person, which was a little disappointing, but we certainly made the most of it. Um, And to discuss the ins and outs and to get a little bit of goss from behind the scenes... Today I'm joined by <laughs> Halliday Taster, she's looking at me, <laughs> Halliday Taster, Jenny Port. Jenny, welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. <laughs> she pulled up and she goes, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so I poured, her, I poured her a glass of wine, So, which we'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm trying to pep her up. I'm pepped, believe me, I'm pepped. <laughs> uh, Jen, how did you celebrate your night? Well, it was it was a little bit quieter than what I had planned. Um, I stayed at home. I opened well. I had to open for tasting purposes, of course. <laughs> three bottles of lovely aged uh, Wins Coonawarra Estate Michael Shiraz, two thousand and ten, two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen. Oh, you had a night. I had a lovely night. <laughs> I hesitate to add. I was tasting. <laughs> I had the odd sip of the twelve because I can't resist anything from two thousand and twelve uh, that was uh, made in Australia. So uh, it was a good night, and I enjoyed the um, the telecast, the on stream cast, whatever you call those kind of casts, uh, with Tyson and John Fain. Yes, John. Good. Yes, yes. I thought I haven't seen John in the flesh for a while. Um, it was it was well done. It was a fabulous night. I actually had I've been really getting into uh, Cabernet from the Yarra Valley, and ever since I tried Sarah, I actually went out to Yarra Yering uh, last week or the week before, and I recorded a podcast episode which is coming next week with Sarah on the award winning the wine of the year, and I was having her Cabernet and her Cabernet blend, and it's just sensational. Uh, and so last night I had another one from the Arrow Valley, which was nice. Um, Jen, I want to start and chat about you. Yes. <laughs> you say that so reluctant. Short chat, yes. <laughs> uh, I'll make it long maybe. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, Jen, you are a journo, so you're one of us, and uh, you're also a wine writer, obviously, Who's at the forefront of your mind when you're writing about wine? It is and has always been the wine consumer. 
Mm. Uh, I know that some people think I'm a member of the wine industry. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm a communicator. I'm part of the journalism industry. Um, and that is part of the role that I was trained to do. I write for people who read uh, or listen to me now, um, <laughs> newspapers, magazines, online websites. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so it's really important for me to think of them when I'm tasting the wines, when I'm appreciating them or not. <laughs> um, Price-wise, value-wise, all those things kind of come into play, I think, yep. with, um, with that always in the back of your mind. Yep, yep, yep. So you don't write with all those superfluous, fluffy words. Oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I am an excitable um, wine taster and so when I have a wine that I really, really like, I can get the adjectives out a bit. Yeah, okay. I know I'm, I do. Do you sound like Nigella Lawson in the a wine world? Bit, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Jen, we're actually, because as you know, I'm by the glass, we always have a little glass of vino, even if it is at 10.39am in the morning. <laughs> That's late for me. <laughs> Perhaps you didn't even stop drinking last night, Jen. Maybe you just continued into the early hours. I'd, uh, I'd look a bit worse if I was doing that. <laughs> um, Jen, what are we drinking? Do you want to introduce this wine? We are drinking the award-winning Sauvignon Blanc from Rat and Bully from uh, Xavier Bizot from Terre Terre. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. The the grape has come so far in such a relatively short time, last eight, ten years, yeah. I suppose, maybe. We have discovered, we've gone through the New Zealand copycat stage, yeah. uber exuberant and herbaceous and, and carrying on like a, a little <laughs> excitable child in the class. <laughs> To this more adult, sophisticated Sauvignon Blanc. And I think uh, Xavier, with his uh, French background, has certainly brought some of that sophistication yeah, to yeah. this wine. And complexity, that's something else we don't normally see in, uh, in a lot of Australian Sauvignon Blanc. And so this is uh, quite an extraordinary wine. It, it has always stood out. Whenever I taste it, really? I think the texture, the... Um, the the quiet, almost reserved character, and it's really hard to keep the lid on Sauvignon Blanc sometimes. Mm. And I just think he's done the most magnificent job. Yeah, yeah. I, I when I tried it, I went to I went to Jen. That's rather nice. <laughs> and I we did well. I yeah, think, with that one, <laughs> we did well. We did. Uh, Jen, we've got a lot of content we need to move through because we're chatting about all things awards from last night. So after months and months of work. It's all out there now. Has it been hard keeping this a secret? For me, no. <laughs> Why is that? I, uh, I learnt very early on how to keep a secret. I was about nine years old. It was Father's Day. I blurted out in front of my mother and my brother what my father was going to get for Father's Day. <laughs> Which was? A tie. A t- oh, God. He wasn't excited, but the fact was <laughs> I was not meant to tell him. And so ever since then, I keep secrets really well. <laughs> Fabulous. So you've obviously kept it under wraps. Yes. Um, does it feel good to see it all out there? Everyone knows who's won. You know, consumers can now go and try those beautiful wines that you tried and judged on all those months ago. Yes. Um, but part of that for me is also having the debate. I love a good debate. (laughs) Did we get it right? That's what I'm kind of interested in finding out too. I'm sure there will be people, other winemakers especially, who will say, no, they didn't get it right there. 
I should have done, you know, better or this wine should have won better. And that's what I love, that people get passionate about these things, that they don't go, oh, well, yes, okay, you know, that's the wine. There are no other wines to really talk about. Well, that was the wine that did well on that day. It's the same with any wine show system. On the day, that came through. Who knows what might have happened on another day? Uh, I don't think you can predict that. No. And let's have that debate. Did we get it right? Actually, that's I, I didn't even think of that because I, I asked Sarah, you know, like before she launches a wine, does she get nervous about the first few people who taste the wine? I didn't even think of that, of course. Now that your decisions are out in the public domain, you know, uh, could you be crucified for them? You know, are people going to agree? Are they going to disagree? I didn't even think about that, of course. It happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> happens a lot. Happens at wine shows. This is a like a sophisticated wine show. It, it will have a lot of debate. A lot of people uh, like to debate about the scores that we give. Mm. Are they too high? Are they too low? They like to debate whether we have favourites. I, I can tell you that we are all professional. There yeah. are no favourites. <laughs> of course. And, uh, you know, things like that. I, I, I still think it's a healthy way to approach awards, any award system, whether yeah. it's the Oscars or Grammys or whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's have that. That discussion, as long as it's, um, you know, not too nasty. <laughs> as long as it's not trolling on We're social media. Yeah. <laughs> um, collectively, the tasting team tried 9,100 wines. How many of those did you try personally? It was a little bit divided. Uh, this is my was my second year. So some of the newcomers... Tony, especially, uh, Tony Love, he had slightly less. Some of us had slightly more. We also had the first year of our regional representation, so whatever regions you had would also kind of um, dictate dictate what kind of numbers you got coming through. In the end, I think I had 1,100 something, like 1,120 or something like that. Oh, my gosh. I actually asked Erin Larkin this question when we had her on the show. Does it take the sparkle off wine drinking that she's nodding? No. <laughs> no. Does it take the sparkle off wine? You know, no. You're drinking that much? No. <laughs> what did Erin say? Um, she actually said it does a little bit. She said, and she's only had a renewed love for wine when she joined this um, group of wine lovers and she started drinking it more for the love. But she said when you're just having it back to back to back, it takes a bit of sparkle off. No, I don't find that at all because I, there's always something that excites you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's it's the towards the end of the tasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's always nice to see it. You know, sprinkled throughout all oh, that wine is just so, and uh, you do understand I am an excitable taster. <laughs> so that when I do see something, oh yes, okay, that keeps me going through <laughs> maybe a, a slow patch until I get to the next wine. And if it's really that good, I will save it to have with dinner. Yeah. So it's something to look forward to at the end of each day. Mm, I nice. I'm never ever tired of wine. <laughs> you sound like my type of woman. <laughs> uh, so, Jen, you obviously mentioned you have your own regions that you all, all tasters have their own regions. We they now do, of. yes. What are yours? I'm, it has changed for this coming year, but uh, for the 2022 edition, I had basically half of Victoria, I suppose. I had northeast Victoria, including King Valley Beechworth. I had central Victoria, including um, Strathbogies. I had 
Western Victoria, Grampians, Pyrenees, Henty and Geelong. Oh, God, Henty has some nice wine. Mm. Is that Crawford? Mm. Yum. Yeah, Crawford River. Oh, mm. God, I went out there. It's bloody extraordinary. It is. Uh, anyway, let's not get sidetracked. It's 10.40am in the morning and we're already drinking. So, Jen, now the awards uh, were judged by all seven members of the Halliday Tasting Team over three days. Can you talk us through the process? Well, first of all, there are six – well, there's three women, three men, and James heading the panels and um, Tyson is is the chief editor as well. So we all have equal voting power. We all contributed wines for almost all of the sections. If you didn't have a wine that fitted some of those award categories, you didn't put them in. But I think I actually put in – wines for each of those award categories. So there were quite a few wines mm. by each category and then wines, of course, to put forward for uh, Viticulturist of the Year, Winemaker of the Year. So there were a lot of wines, hence you need those three days. Yep. We met, uh, fortunately, COVID allowed us all to meet in the one place down at on the Mornington Peninsula at Linden Dairy. We basically took over their entire <laughs> complex <laughs> Between having all these wines in one room and judges in another and then another room for interviews and photos and another room for lunch. And so it was a quiet march because of COVID. And so uh, it was beautifully done down there. And that's where we had our dinners too. So it was all in one. Each day... Sounds like a school camp. It was a bit, but what a school camp, eh? (laughs) Alcohol's allowed at this school camp. (laughs) Lots. (laughs) Um, Emily Lightfoot, our new tasting editor, uh, was put in charge of presenting it and, wow, that woman has such an organisational brain. Yeah, she's fabulous. She did fabulous. a beautiful job and kept tabs of scoring and entering things in the system. So she announced or put forward the wines that we would eat, you know, each day look at. We knew what they were because we'd put forward the wines, so it wasn't necessarily like a wine show from that point of view. But each person could speak about the wines. We judged them. But, but, but take it back a step. Is it kind of like you all sit down, is it like, all right, we're starting with sparklings and whites and reds? Like how do you see a day? Like how Emily does it- decided the process. It was actually nicely done. So, you know, we might start off with, uh, I think the first day, we started off with a bang, like Chardonnay. Right. Sauvignon Blanc, I think. The next day we did the sparkling. So it wasn't necessarily in the kind of order that you might imagine. Yeah. Although your whites would always start the day. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And sparklings the next day started the day so that, uh, you know, you worked through to the heavier styles, which are generally your red wines. Yep. And then your fortified. So from that point of view, it was based on weight. So if you had like, for example, Chardonnay, you'd sit down and you it would obviously be blind tasting? No, we, oh. because we had put forward our wines yep. and because it was just easier, okay, this is who's put it forward, so that that person could also speak on the wines. We could ask each other questions about the wines. So I yep. put wines forward from my regions. They put forward wines from their regions. James yep. had you know, selected wines that he could also throw in. And so, you know, if if I had a real question of Jane about one of her Yarra Valley wines, I could direct it to her. Okay. And so it was a little bit more open in the discussion. 
And would you have like, you know, six wines at a time and would they all be the same varietal and you'd move through varietal? We went through those category awards. So we'd have seven Shiraz. Yep. We'd have seven Cabernet. We'd have right. seven alternative varieties, yep. red and white. We'd have seven uh, white sparkling and seven rosé sparkling. So, right. you know, from that point of view, there were a number of brackets going throughout the day. And they yep. took their time because we had some uh, fruitful, uh, at times exciting, at times long-winded <laughs> – Discussions, <laughs> debates. Debates. I'm coming to that question actually, because but I wanted to actually ask: at the end of every day, did you like take the wine you loved into dinner and just have a bit of a booze together? At the end of each day, we had it was a bit more sophisticated than that. <laughs> we had wines that we brought. We had previous winners. Um, we had beers oh. <laughs> at the end of each tasting uh, before dinner, which is a bit of a tradition on wine shows. It's the one thing you actually love. A beer. A beer is very cleansing, very oh refreshing. My God. It sounds so much fun. <laughs> um, so, I, okay, so let's talk about those heated debates. Uh, how do you land on a winning wine when you have seven distinct palates and do you debate it? Like, give us the oh, goss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I love about it. It's, uh, I've judged in Europe where you judge a wine, you don't say a word about it and you move on to the second wine. <laughs> the Australian system is just so delightful. It's, uh, each wine is thoroughly, thoroughly looked at, <laughs> talked about, debated. You know, is it in balance? What is it about that tannin structure? Um, you know, it can get a bit nerdy, I agree with that. But, um, yeah, if you've put forward a wine for that award, you better be able to talk to it. And if you've got other judges going, oh, yeah, maybe you can, this is your opportunity to say, you know, maybe turn them around in your favour mm. or in the wine's favour, I should say. It's not that I'm competitive or anything. <laughs> She's <It's>, very competitive. <laughs> it's always the wine's favour. Um, yeah, it's, um, it we, we are friendly, we are collegiate. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it can get heated. <laughs> I don't mind saying that, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a bit like a sporting contest. Okay, let's move on. But you're also passionate about the wines you pitch forward because each of you have your own regions. You have the wines that you love and um, and off air we're even just talking about Fortified and you said you had a Fortified that you really got behind and you went in there and you pitched it. So, yeah. yeah. Again, it's what, for me, it's I think the consumers would love this wine or that wine and it's also incredibly well made. And the winemaker is a consistent quality winemaker. There are lots of things that you go, yeah, look, this wine has got it. Let's put it forward. You know, Tony put forward a, one of the Lake Breeze wines, I think it was like $24. It was up against $80 wines. It was up against 130 It did well. Yeah. But, you know, he's going, okay, let's just see what this wine's got. Let's put it up against some pretty stiff competition. Yeah, how fabulous. Yeah. And so these are obviously, as we know, collaborative decisions. But what were your standouts? Well, they're all the wines I put forward. <laughs> <laughs> give, us, give us two wines that maybe didn't end up winning that you thought were unbelievable. Look, I did put forward the uh, Mount Langy Duran Mast Shiraz, which is $90. I mean, yep. it's not 
stratospheric in its price point, I thought it was a gorgeous wine. And it is uh, a wine that um, is named after Trevor Mast, the first winemaker, or what, no, not the first, but one of the main early winemakers at Mount Langy, and uh, a very influential Victorian winemaker. It's, uh, it's their flagship and because it carries his name, because they work so hard towards the quality of that wine, yep. I, I, I really enjoyed that wine. And I was a bit, look, let's face it, I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> she was miffed. <laughs> <laughs> that it didn't go through. And what was the other wine that you thought? And it, another wine that is always consistently good uh, is the Wins Coonawarra Estate, John Riddick, limited yeah. release Cabernet. Yep. Um, that yep. is a little bit more expensive. but um, What's that recommend for? Oh, I think it's about... Heading up in the hundreds. Oh, Jean, you've got expensive taste, girl. A <laughs> hundred and something. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, um, Yarra Yaring, let's talk about some of the award winners. Um, Yarra Yaring obviously stole the show, uh, taking out two major categories. Mm-hmm. Um, they took out Wine of the Year and Winery of the Year. How difficult was it to land on Wine of the Year, which is the Dry Red Number 1, 2019? Well... It was up against, you know, a lot of the other award winners. So it was hard. Yeah. Uh, there's no two two ways about it. It was very hard. But I, I will say um, the minute I tasted it, I, I thought it was the wine. I think that's how you like it sometimes to be. Sometimes it's a real tussle, yep. which is good, but sometimes the wine just – comes out and you go, wow, this is uh, this is something pretty special. I think Jane talked about it on the promo that was sent out. You know, your, your heart skips a beat, stops. I, I don't want it to stop. But <laughs> I, I really want it to skip a beat, and uh, it skipped a beat with that one. I uh, when I tried it for the first time the other week, I thought, wow, and I. You know, you would you would drink far more wine than I would. Taste, sorry, oh, taste more wine. <laughs> you taste more wine than I would. I'd probably drink more than you actually do. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty special. It's so, the balance. Uh, you know, I don't want to go too much into it because people will have the tasting notes. But this is what we talk about when we talk about balance. Just mm. Everything is just sitting perfectly, beautifully. Um, yeah, nothing sticking out. No arms and legs. No, no sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a technical term. Yeah. <laughs> Do you say? <laughs> Do you actually put that in your notes? Nothing sticking out. Or you write balance, one or the other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the interchangeable. Yes. Uh, so Chardonnay uh, was obviously, I, I, I reckon, the conversation alongside Sarah Crow's award-winning wine, the conversation was about Chardonnay this year. It was a highly contended category. Um, we had three winners. Can you talk me through what happened? Because this has got to be an unusual outcome, right? Mm-hmm. It certainly is. First of all, I'm sure there will be people who go, "Oh, they're all different points on the uh, on the in the book or online when they see it." The Oak Ridge was originally 97 points. The Lewin was 98. The Penfolds Yatana was 99. Wow. People are going, "Well, why shouldn't the 99 point win?" These are the points that were given by the initial judges. These are their first um, points, and we've decided to keep those going through the awards. So, okay, these were put through as part of the seven Chardonnays that we all contributed. They have come out on top 
through uh, the, pro- the the judging process. I won't bore you, but we use the border system, B-O-R-D-A system, which is acknowledged in a number of um, areas about the, the fairness of arriving at a winner. The border system couldn't divide these three wines. We, we tried a number of times... <laughs> <laughs> just in case someone changed their mind uh, and, you know, maybe a clearer winner came through. Did you try and twist someone's arm? No. No. <laughs> no. Never. No compromises. No. Um, <laughs> look, who knows? None of us clearly changed our scoring. <laughs> so they kept coming through. So that is this incredible rare event and I'm I'm quite thrilled actually. It gives people a lot more choice about a really top Chardonnay to try. Um, none of them are especially uh, cheap. but um, <laughs> A running these, theme. <laughs> these are stunning, stunning wines. Well, look, I still think people go, oh, look, let's have a special wine, you know, a celebratory wine, a birthday wine, a Christmas wine. These are those wines. Yeah. Get them out for those special events. Yeah. They are special. Yeah, yeah. And I love that they were from three different regions as well. Yeah. So I'm just flicking down my list of questions. Ah, here we go. This year we had our very first category, Viticulturalist of the Year. It was taken out by the lovely Vanya Cullen uh, from Cullen Wines uh, in WA. Why is this category so important? This is where it starts. This is where the grape starts. It doesn't end up in the glass suddenly or by itself. Someone has to grow it. Uh, I think it's long overdue. The acknowledgement of viticulturalists in Australia has been very long overdue. We have the cult of the winemaker. We don't see the cult of the viticulturalist. And I think they have been hurt by that. Their public persona has been hurt by that. They have a huge huge role to play and and now it's being acknowledged and I'm, I'm thrilled and Vanya in particular is is fascinating not only because she is a leader in the organic biodynamic growing movement but she has actually changed so much of the way vineyards are approached in her region and probably throughout Australia, but I know that on the strength of her success, of her um, challenging old ideas, of, of just pushing forward constantly, that she has encouraged other Margaret River producers to also look at organic and biodynamic, and that has to be a good thing. Oh, absolutely. She's, um, yeah, she's, she's so passionate about what she does. I, um, uh, now looking down, oh, okay. So we had a record number of new wineries submit their wines uh, to the Companion this year. Are you seeing a lot of emerging talent in your own regions of Victoria? I am. Some regions are, I would say, probably seeing more youth coming through than others. I think you do tend to see that closer to Melbourne. I know that traditionally... The further the region is away from a capital city, the further it is to attract young people to those wine regions, to keep them there. Mm. It's, it's not necessarily just second, third, fourth generation winemakers, viticulturalists coming through. 
these areas, if they are to expand and grow, do need younger blood. So I think you will find in the regions that, that I looked at that you do have, you know, I think Geelong is and Bellarine Peninsula is, is one of those regions where you're getting so much youth coming through, new exciting ideas. I, I, I'm constantly in awe in a good way at and what I'm seeing coming through the Geelong region. So that's one region in particular. Having said that, though, I, I, I think, you know, Beechworth, King Valley is equally exciting from that point of view in the, in the people that they're attracting. Yeah. Uh, you've got, uh, first of all, with Beechworth at Chardonnay and Pinot, a lot of winemakers, a bit of culturists see that as the Holy Grail, so they'll go to a region like Beechworth. And, of course, King Valley has alternative grape varieties, uh, amazing Italian grape varieties coming through. And so that will also excite yeah. people. It, look, it's a hard one for some of these regions to keep attracting that, that, that spark of creativity that yeah. comes with those younger winemakers and viticulturalists, but um, they'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> they have to to survive, <laughs> let's face it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh, absolutely. How do you attract people to a region that's three hours away from Melbourne? Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, not just even within wine. That's just in general, getting people out to these exactly. regional hubs. Uh, so, and, and so often, uh, we've obviously touched on this at various points throughout this conversation, but so often with awards like this, the expensive wines do tend to come out on top. Is cost indicative of quality? This is the question for the ages, isn't it? <laughs> if, you, if you take marketing out... Because what I see with wine especially is, okay, we're in a groovy, uh, avant-garde kind of happening region, and we all know the names, uh, we can add extra 10 bucks. What's a region? Can you throw me a region? Can you? Can you I want a region name. Margaret River. Oh. <laughs> Mornington Peninsula. Oh, oh, I'm an I'm an MP boy, and I would tend to agree. In fact, I've you can do that with land. Why can't you do that with uh, wines? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so there, there's that to it. There's also oh, I think my wine is as good as Joe Blow down there down the road, and his wine is sixty bucks. I'm going to put mine at sixty five. You know, there, yeah. there's that competitive edge. Like I'm doing better than everyone else, if, and I will decide that on the price. price. These are the old bugbears of that of that whole debate. But if we drill down to and I don't and I don't necessarily want to go into well this is how much the grapes were worth and this is how much we paid for the oak and this is how much we we add for the human element and come to this price. That's kind of part of it, but the other part for me is the creativity. Yeah. And the end result. You know, you want an expensive wine to be good, don't you? You want it to be absolutely amazing, don't you? And I think in many cases, or in some cases, um, it works out that way. Mm. Now, whether you're encouraged when you see the price tag to think that way, that's a psychological question, which we'll leave for psychologists. (laughs) But I think when you taste a lot of wine... You get a good feel for it. I've been seeing some wines at $45 and I'm tasting, I'm going, nah, I, I'd pay 35 for that. Really? And then I tasted a $19 wine, Cabernet, the other day, and I'm going, 
this is 19, I'd pay 29 for it. Yeah. So look, you're never going to get a proper concrete answer to that question. And on that, obviously Lake Breeze was uh, named the best value winery. What's so special about Lake Breeze? Lake Breeze is always, it, right from the word go, it has always pitch, or pitched itself or its wines, I should say, at an affordable price, always. Mm. And they're always around, let's say, 24 25 uh, And it gives you great flavour, good balance. It's, it's, they can age a little bit, maybe sometimes more. You can buy a bottle and you know it's going to taste good. Mm. These are simple things that you, that you go, oh, yeah, doesn't every producer look, look at wine that way? No, not every producer does look at wine that way. So when you get one, and he's not necessarily trying to take on penfolds or, or take on the big boys with, you know, the $150 wines and the heavy bottles and, you know, do all that kind of class stuff – um, he is, he's going, he's always said, this is for the mass, this is for the masses. Yeah. This is a democratic right that we have to pay a fair price for a good wine. That's the way I see it. And, and his, and his wine, even at, you know, $25, $30 a bottle probably could stand up against a wine that was, um, that cost a lot more. It did. And as I said uh, earlier, Tony Love put one of those wines in one of those award brackets, did well, yeah. didn't win, but he was making a statement too, which I really applauded that some of the wines that we're putting through, think about what what it is that you want out of this award, yeah. put forward a wine that, that you have tasted that, that can also kind of challenge that knowledge or that idea that it has to be expensive. And Tony did that. And can you give us a handful of uh, wineries in your regions off the back of that that do offer great value for money? I've got heaps. Oh, here we go. She's pulling out a list. I'm getting a list out here. <laughs> Some of them are the wines that I've been buying forever, like Tabilk and Bests. Oh. I mean, these are… Classic. Oh, yeah. You know, these are big – well, not big, they're kind of medium-sized companies, and they have been around for a long time, and they do have some pretty stunning expensive quality wines. But, you know, my go-to are Tabilk and Bests. Then I uh, I do have some other favourites, and, and I also like, I mean, in this case, you've also got some pretty lovely winemakers, and, and if you've got a nice winemaker, you've generally got some nice wines as well. <laughs> so Sam Plunkett at Wine by Sam, love visiting Sam. He's such an enthusiast, and his wines reflect that. What a cute name, Wines by Sam. Yeah. Is that the name of the label? Yeah. Oh, cute. And it's Wine Cross. By Sam, so it's wine oh, times. How very know. 2021 of him. Yeah, except he's, I think he's no longer a Gen X or Y. Oh, anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, Oak Dean down in the Bellarine Peninsula. Right. Uh, lovely, lovely stuff. And you've got Montara up in the Grampians. Lovely Grampians, Riesling, Shiraz, around 25 bucks. I love the Grampians. Yeah. You've got Geelong, you've got Jackrabbit. Um, yeah, look. There's heaps. There's yeah. heaps. Um, I only do Victoria, though I'm now taking on um, Adelaide Hills. Oh, in, are you? In the new 
tasting season. Oh. But and I'm looking forward to having some lovely wines from there. But Victoria, it's it's got the most um, regions of any state. It's got the most producers of any state. So if you can't get something that's good value <laughs> in Victoria, then I think you're struggling. Yeah. Oh God, you're heading to the Adelaide Hills. Oh, I didn't know that. Just drop that little chestnut on air. Don't even worry about it. Um, Jen, I think that we've had a nice chat about all things awards. Do you feel like we've covered most most things on our list? I think so. We've Fun. covered some of the, you know, the uh, the out there questions on scoring and <laughs> debates about whether we did well or not. I think from here on in, it's <laughs> it's up to the consumer and the the people who buy the book. Oh, absolutely! And the book is out now today. Today, which is very exciting. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a bloody delight. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. (laughs) Is that all you could say? (laughs) I wasn't sure if we could swear. (laughs) No, that's not a swear word, Dal. My mum used to say B. It's been a B delight. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jen. Uh, Thanks so much, guys, for joining us today on By the Glass. Uh, We're looking forward to chatting with you next week when we chat with Sarah Crow from Yarra Yering and discuss the wine of the year. Have a fabulous weekend. (laughs) 